Hey, Luxifer, welcome back to the podcast. Today, you're going to hear an amazing weight loss transformation story. My client, Valerie, lost 30 pounds in five months. But before we dive into today's success story, I want to make sure that you know that I am doing a free training on Sunday, November 5th, and you are invited. It's called How to Lose 10 Pounds in 30 Days Without Overhauling Your Lifestyle. And I'm gonna teach you the three simple things that you can do immediately to begin to lose weight. Now, I'm not gonna tell you to do math, right? My clients don't lose weight because they're counting points and carbs and fat grams and calories. They aren't doing math calculations to try to figure out how to lose weight. My clients lose weight because they follow the three strategies that I'm gonna share with you in this free training on November 5th. Remember, it's called How to Lose 10 Pounds in 30 Days Without Overhauling Your Lifestyle. You can get all the details and register to attend when you go to jenniferdent.com forward slash free training. That's jenniferdent.com forward slash free training. You're listening to the Stop Dieting Forever podcast, episode 179. What if it were possible to achieve your goal weight and stay there permanently without dieting? Welcome to the Stop Dieting Forever podcast, where you will discover the key components that most diets won't tell you because they want you to keep coming back. Not here. This is your last stop on the weight loss struggle bus. I am your host, Jennifer Dent Brown, life and weight loss coach, and I am going to show you how to stop dieting forever. Let's jump into today's episode. In today's episode, you're going to meet my incredible client, Valerie. She's a client inside the Stop Dieting Forever weight loss program. And she recently received her Club Lux Reward Badge, celebrating her 30-pound weight loss. She received her Club Lux Badge because she achieved her forever weight. Valerie's weight loss struggles began when she started her first diet at the age of 10. In this interview, you will hear her be so transparent and so vulnerable about the decades that she suffered with a disordered relationship with food and body dysmorphia that resulted in her binge eating and over-exercising to feel accepted. In this very open and very honest interview, you'll hear Valerie explain in great detail the work that she did to overcome her challenges with food. When she learned about Stop Dieting Forever, she was drawn to my program because of my unique approach to weight loss, because it's unlike anything that she had done before. And you'll hear Valerie share that she had done a lot of different things. Within the Stop Dieting Forever program, she's released 30 pounds in five months, and she shares in this podcast episode some of her biggest wins and her, the biggest shifts that made all the difference in the world for her. Valerie is a writer, and so she's so descriptive. Her use of the English language is like music to my ears. So you will really enjoy listening to her as she explains her journey. I didn't even have to ask her that many questions. I just sat there and I listened to her share her story, and you will be as enamored with Valerie as I am. 
After you listen to this interview, I want you to go straight to jenniferdent.com forward slash free training to sign up to attend my free virtual training, How to Lose 10 Pounds in 30 Days Without Overhauling Your Lifestyle. After the training on Sunday, November 5th, the doors of the Stop Dieting Forever Weight Loss Program are opening. And they're opening with a very special 48-hour enrollment bonus. The bonus is a one-on-one 30-minute food strategy session with me. Yep, you heard it. A one-on-one 30-minute food strategy session with me. During this virtual session, I'm going to help you create your custom eating plan that will allow you to lose your first 10 pounds in 30 days without a diet and without completely changing the way that you live. This is not going to be your typical eat this and not eat that meal plan. And you're going to love this customized meal plan because it's going to include your favorite foods and it will set you up for weight loss success inside Stop Dieting Forever. And this program is where you're going to finally lose weight for the last time, even during this busy holiday season. So I want you to enjoy this interview. Go to jenniferdent.com forward slash free training to get on the list to join us on Sunday, November 5th for the free training. And then I'll see you soon. I'll see you in a couple days. All right, live Lux, and I'll see you in the next episode. All right, I've got a treat for you all today. You get to hear a success story. And this is a success story from someone who joined the program, Stop Dieting Forever group program, a couple of months ago, and her transformation has been phenomenal. And so I get lots of questions. People want to know, they think all of my clients' success stories on the podcast are my private clients. And I'm like, no, we got success stories within the group too. So I am excited to have P, Valerie, Dauphin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's French, (laughs) y'all. She's here to share her story of how she found the group, how she found me, and what her transformation was inside this group container. So, Valerie, go ahead. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Start there. Sure. And my kitty, Nico, wants to make an appearance. Hello, Nico. You hear the the meowing? Yeah, he's (laughs) like, let me get in on this. (laughs) So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I live in Los Angeles. Once again, my name is P. Valerie Dauphin, but everybody just calls me Valerie. Don't let the P confuse you. And I am a certified life and mindset coach. And I primarily work with professionals of color, but I also work with white allies who want to step into their accomplice era. And I was born on the East Coast, specifically in the Caribbean, um, the country of IET. The American pronunciation is Haiti. And I grew up on the East Coast from Florida, spent most of my formative years in New York, Westchester County. We spent some time in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn when I was a little, little kid, and then went to college in Philly, which I know is where you're from and live. Our connection. Right? That's not how we met, though, but that's not how we met. common. But I went to the University of Pennsylvania, so Philly definitely has a warm place in my heart. And then I've been out in L.A. for a long time. (laughs) So that's since then. Sort of ever since then. Yeah. But L.A. has been my home for almost two decades now. Okay, good. Good. So you must like it there. 
I like it enough. <laughs> like it enough to stay for two decades. Perfect. Okay. So our paths actually crossed in real life in a group mm-hmm. that we're both in. We're in another coaching program. And that's how we became to like know each other. But I didn't know you were like paying attention to me and what I did. Here's the thing. I actually first heard of you on the Life Coach School. It was either the Life Coach School podcast or one of Stacey. I think it was maybe one of Stacey's podcasts. Mm -hmm, Probably Stacey. Uh, Because this was back in 2019 or 20, I want to say 2018, 2019, when I first Mm -hmm. found out about the model and Life Coach School and all that. And then by way through, you know, Stacey and and I was listening to a podcast and I remember it was when she was interviewing a bunch of her Black coaches. Mm -hmm. And the first time I heard your name, and it was a, in a podcast interview, you were talking about A squared. And that was... Accept all the emotions. Accept and acknowledge all the emotions. And so when I was doing like my thought work, for y'all who are listening, you're like, what is this A squared model that she's talking about? It's pretty much a life coach school that we both you know, have been massively influenced by. Mm-hmm. I'm not a life coach school coach, but I'm very involved in their scholars program. And I consider myself a mindset magician at this point. And so that was actually how I first heard of you. Okay. Was through that world and the A squared, which I was implementing in my model work. Um, But our actual interaction interfacing was through our uh, fellow money mindset mentor program. And I heard her name, Serena Hicks. I can say the name. Okay. Serena Hicks. There we go. (laughs) Serena Hicks is our money mindset mentor. And, you know, hearing you talk about your business and I was just like, well, she does this weight loss stuff. Let me check that out. Cause uh, you know, my own history with weight. Okay. We got to go back in time just a little bit. I ain't going to spend yeah, too much give time. Us, give us the context, right? Give I'll us give you the context. context. Okay. So my struggles with food started at the, about the age of 10, there were some traumas and things that I did not know how to emotionally or psychologically process being a 10 year old and not having the resources and supports. And so I turned to food. And also on my mom's side of the family, there can be some weight challenges, okay? And I used food to cope. And along with that was, because I also grew up in a predominantly white, for y'all who you can't see me, I am a Black woman, Afro-Caribbean American, to be specific. And I grew up in a predominantly white area. So not seeing my body type represented and also not seeing represented in the media. So I had ideas like a lot of us do about contorting, making my body conform to something that it was never supposed to conform to. And so there began the body dysmorphia and the lots and lots and lots of diets. Mm -hmm. I actually had this uh, when I was in fourth grade, I had a month-long peanut butter sandwich at midnight exercise diet. I created it and (laughs) I had gained like, I want to say I had gained like 20 or 30 pounds between my fourth grade and fifth grade. So that's between like the ages of 10 to 11 or 12. And I went back to school in fifth grade. I'm like, shit, I got all this weight on me. I knew exactly what I was. I knew exactly how that weight came on because I was going to the corner store almost every other day with my 25 cent, you know, to buy the bags of chips. (laughs) Okay. And the sweets and the candies and good old days, right? All right. The good old days when you can get stuff for 25 cents. (laughs) Right. But anyway, so, you know, that's really what began my issues with food. And then you were 
10 on your first diet? Yeah, 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's real stuff. Then it was just weight goes up, weight goes down, up, down. I'm like, what the f- is wrong with me here? And then fast forward to my early, early, no, I was a full-blown adult by this point. It was after college. I came to realize that it was an eating disorder. Not actually, it was it was before it was before college because I was I was watching all these after school specials about bulimia and anorexia and like oh various God. right. Mm-hmm. And I used to wish that I could be bulimic. Oh wow! So that oh. I could have the option of oh, my heart. But I want to give little Valerie a hug. I have given little Valerie lots of hugs. Yeah, yeah, I love them. And here it is. It's like the fact that I, this is a testament to how much growth and how much progress I've had in my journey that I can talk about this and not feel that Mm. devastation that I felt when I was going through it. Yeah. Um, I like to say the, the wound is healed, but the scar is still there. Right. That's um, when you get to that place where you can talk about the wound, but not feel all exactly. the gushing and the blood and all the things. Exactly. And share and, it and help. And that's and, and that's why I'm able to be on this co- podcast and talk to you and talk to your global audience. Because when yeah. you first asked me, I was t- you know, I was like, do I actually want to put my story out there for everybody to know? But uh, talk to some friends and talk to myself and talk to my brother and everybody, and including myself, was like, this is going to be a good thing for, for not just me, but oh, for God. all the peoples, especially with what I'm going to share about my journey within the, the 12-step world, which will come mm-hmm. later. But yeah, if full-blown, you know, compulsive overeating, food addiction. And then when I was in my you know, early adulthood, So I actually have a background also teaching dance classes and being a performer and, you know, acting, you know, uh, improv comedy. But my main thing was dancing and being a dance teaching artist, dance educator. And the very, very first class that I taught at this studio where the manager sought me out and it was like this big thing. And I recorded that first class. It was in 2010. I was looking back on the recording of it, you know, to see what I want to tweak for next time. And I was just like, you are so fat, all of this food. Mm. And, and, but here it is. It wasn't just, you are so fat and you're ugly and you don't deserve to, it wasn't that it was the, I knew the food behaviors, the overeating, the binging, the consistent binging that I was doing that was contributing to the fact that I was hating on myself so much. And so that same day, as I was watching the recording, I didn't finish through the whole recording. I paused it. I went to my bed. I went under the covers and I was like a ball of tears. And I was like, I need help. I need help. I need help. I've always been spiritual, religious at some point. I ain't religious no more. But, you know, the spiritual connection. And I'm like, what's next? What do I do? What do I do? How old were you at this point? I would say I was in my like early mid 20s. Okay. And so I'm underneath the covers crying. And then I, it's like this leaf that fell off of a tree and then landed right on my head. And the name, I'm going to, I'm not going to say the name because it's an anonymous program and, you know, anonymity and all that, but it was an anonymous program that supported people with food issues. Mm-hmm. And I went that night and that just helped to shift so much for me and that, you know, the growth and the journey that I had with, you know, stopping the 
very, very highly problematic main binging and food behaviors, I was able to really have a lot of healing around the body dysmorphia through that program. It just changed so much for me. So that's why when I came in, you know, I know in, in for SDF, you say you're going to go from your 1.0 self to your 2.0 self. I already felt like I came in 2.0 because there was just so much that you'd already un- done so much work. There was so much unconditioning for like, you know, 10 plus years. Yeah. And then I was like, but let me actually read from my notes. I took some notes, y'all, because there's some things that I wanted to this is look for your notes, but this is why I wanted you on the podcast because one, you're really good at explaining your thought process and how you overcome obstacles. So just for everyone, Valerie in our private Facebook group, Valerie's very good at saying, Hey, this is what happened. This is exactly how I handled it. And this is how I'm feeling now. Yeah. And she does a great job at that. So of course, I'm so glad you got over your bratty brain and said, okay, I'll be on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So more of us can understand and hear and benefit from your experience. Okay. Did you find your notes? I did. Okay. Okay. So here it is. I want to talk a little bit about recovery programs for weight because I have an extensive background in multiple 12-step communities. So the identity that helped me stop the initial harmful behaviors was not the same identity that got me to where I am now in terms of with my successes. Actually, let me back up and give you a little bit more context before I finish that. So spent, you know, spent some time in the recovery programs, but ultimately inside there was like, there's something that feels so tremendously off for me to keep identifying as a compulsive this or an addict that over and over and over and over again. And then there was this ideology and I I was able to sniff it out because in a previous religion that I was very, very, very heavily involved in, like evangelical level involved in, there was this fear that if you leave, you, you basically go end up on the street somewhere in a gutter and good luck to you. Like once you're in, you have to stay in. There was like this ideology. And I, this fear, mm-hmm. this fear of there's only one right way, essentially, which yeah. is seeped in, you know, one of the, a big part of the work that I do with my private coaching and also some of the, the workshops that I give is on understanding and dismantling uh, white supremacist patriarchy and this various manifestations like white supremacy culture, this and internalized racism, that, and like looking at the intersections. And one of the characteristics of white supremacy culture is this either or binary, only one right way thinking. And I didn't have this verbiage at the time, right? So I'm looking back at my experience. I'm like, oh, that's also part of what was happening underneath the surface. So, you know, there was this inner war within myself. It's like, I can't keep identifying in this particular way because I want to take my life and my body to the next level. And because of the work that I had done within, you know, the 12-step world and community that I'm so truly deeply thankful and appreciative for, you know, I knew that the desires that I had for the body fat percentage, because I've always been an athlete dancer and, you know, I love feeling strong and I, and, and I could do things with my body. Um, and my brother's also a bodybuilder and like, we just, you know, it just, my both parents are, are doctors. So it's like the health and wanting to take myself to the next level and knowing that 
This time, it wasn't to try and fit some standard or ideal. It wasn't to try and be acceptable or desirable by anyone. It was because this is truly what I wanted. And I'm jumping around a bit in my story, but last year, between last year and earlier this year, I reached this point internally. I was like, I want to give myself the gift of experiencing my body at 21 to 23% body fat, which is like that athlete that I am and to not feel guilty about it, which I done. And then, so it was a perfect timing, right? So we were both in Serena's program. I'm hearing you, you know, showing up and talking about your business and that. And I'm like, well, check out Jennifer's podcast. <laughs> See what she got to say about this weight thing. I ain't going to work with her. Well, let me... <laughs> Let me just see if she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> and there were things that you were saying. And I listened to a lot of your podcasts and the thing, it was a certain thing that clicked for me. And it was this, the way you talked about weight loss of like having the identity of the version of you that has already achieved this. And it was just, it was one word mindset. We work on your mindset to create this, your forever weight, which I call my permanent residence weight. And I'll tell you mm -hmm. why later, if, mm -hmm. if, if we have time. Jen, I feel like we might need to do a part two because I could easily talk for two hours now that you got me going. Um, I'm just sitting here enjoying, enjoying the show. <laughs> so earlier this year, I'm listening to your podcast and I'm hearing you talk about this mindset piece and I'd all done all that inner work, you know, before of knowing that, okay, my reasons for wanting to lose this the, the rest of this weight is it feels good to me. I realized that while I was in those programs that identifying as a compulsive this or addict that, and to keep telling myself that I have an eating disorder and to keep verbally saying that out loud every time I would go to a meeting or just to keep having that in my consciousness, it was no longer good for me. And there can be this energetic frequency in the space that once you're in, you have to stay in, which I already talked about before, because if you decide to up and stop going to the meetings and think you're going to do this somewhere else, then you're pretty much going to fall back into old patterns. And I already had a background 15 years earlier of having left a religion that there was this fear that if I leave, then my life is going to fall apart. And that's just not fucking true. I don't ever want the reason for me to keep doing something to be based on a fear of what might happen if I leave. I just choose not to live that way. And I chose to trust myself. P.S. I wrote a book in 2017 called Feel Good, Kick-Ass Confidence, which is all about trusting yourself and using like the intersection of body and spirituality and dance and mindset and to navigate that path of self-trust. Uh, is there anything else here that I want to say? Do, 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 do. Oh, I'll just add this other bit because it was helpful in me making peace with Although I will always have a connection to the programs and for like how much support and how they were able to get me to the point where, and I showed up, you know, I showed up and I did the work I sponsored. I did service on, you know, many, many levels. And then there was a point where it's like, it's time to part ways with this. It's time for the next chapter. It's time for the next chapter. That served you. At yeah. that moment in time for where you were at that point in time, probably if you had had like if you saw if you heard my podcast when you were having that moment under the covers when you were breaking down and I was like, oh, you need to do is change your mindset. Oh, you I don't think it would have worked. 
Yeah, you would have been like, what? I said, like, no, I need to like... There needed to be a whole lot of nervous system, like deep healing of deep traumas to be able you to- You didn't know that at that I didn't know that. Time. Yeah. That's right. So that's, that's right. why that group helped you, first of all, identify that's what happened. That's how you got to that place. And then it helped you heal that place. Yes, it did. It was like, almost like being in therapy, right? So when you see a therapist, it's like, you're healing, you're identifying, you're working on where you've been and rectifying what happened in the past to your future. Yeah. But then when you come to coaching, life coaching, it's like, okay, we're working on the future now. We're, yeah. we're taking where you are from here and we're moving towards the future and we're working on the future. And that's why this identity thing resonated with you yeah. because I talk about we're no longer operating in who we are right now because who we are right now we're going to keep getting the same exact results. We're going to keep weighing the same thing every single year. We're going to keep going through the holidays with the same bad habits. Like we're going to keep doing the same thing every single year. So we got to imagine ourselves, reimagine ourselves version 2.0. So we decide who we're going to become, whether we believe it or not. And then we work towards becoming that person. And that's what we do inside the group. And there was no way really for me to decide who I was going to become the way that I was able to. Because this is, this is like 13 years ago we're talking about, right? At the time, I didn't realize that I had actually heard the name of that anonymous program years before. I thought it was just like, oh my God, God is just putting, is just, oh my God, spirit is just, look, like a little ticker tape, like a little leaf. Oh, where did I hear this? But when I was looking at old journals from college, I saw the name of that program. I was like, oh, I must have heard it on campus somewhere or something. And it didn't register. It was already in your subconscious. It was already in my subconscious when I needed it. It came up. You know, that was that journey. And I will say this. So one thing, one thing that I stopped doing while I was really involved in that program, and it was necessary for where I was, for my healing, was I did not look at, I did not weigh myself. And I did not get on the scale because I was like, I don't need that extra chatter. Mm -hmm. I don't need that C, that circumstance. Take it out of the equation. Exactly. The problem with that, because everything is not just a hundred percent like good or bad, right? So it served me. And on the flip side, how it didn't serve me was that the weight was creeping up over the years. And there were some like- unaware of it. I was aware- I would see how some clothes would fit, but it wasn't like a, a 50 pound gain or something where I was just like, oh, shot, damn, I can't fit into my, it wasn't like that. It was uncomfortable enough where in the back of my mind, and I would see like, okay, I keep ordering in, you know, Cheesecake Factory and that ice cream shop and then the other stuff. And it was, it wasn't the behaviors that got me into the, you know, recovery programs, but it was enough that when I got on the scale again earlier this year, after deciding to join your program, I was like, hot damn, that was almost a 30 pound gain. The last time I weighed myself was 2019. And when I weighed myself earlier this year, 2023, I was like, that's like a 27, let's just round up 30 pound gain, which I have released through this program. I want to take some time to share some of my wins. I've had several. Bomb will share some highlights so the people who's listening can be like, what, what success she's talking about? Oh, there's been a lot. I ain't going to say all of them, but here's some highlights. So I have really, I already shared, I've lost, uh, released about 30 pounds since April. 
And my focus really was on the body fat percentage. Mm -hmm. So that's a 4% body fat decrease, which, uh, and each, and I did the calculations, 1% equates to about six to seven pounds. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Is that specifically for you? For me. Okay. For me, me. I don't know what it's like for the other people's. Yeah. um, But for me, that's what the conversion thing. Okay. Yeah. And so I am less than 10 pounds from my, my, my first level permanent residence weight. And here's why I call it in my mind, permanent residence, because when I first got into the program, I realized that I'd been treating all the other weight loss. Cause listen, I am not new to weight loss and weight gains, right? That's why you're my people. Yes. Right? I knew, <laughs> I, I knew that's why you people. found your way to, to me. And And when I was reflecting back, I was like, oh, so every time that I reached close to goal, I'd shoot right back up within a month or so. And that's because in my mind, I didn't have the identity of this is just how I am. I treated it as this was a temporary residence Mm -hmm. as opposed to my permanent residence. So one of my identity statements is, you know, or no, it's the commitment statement the commitment worksheet or sheet, which I look at every single day. I am 100% committed to living at my permanent residence of 21 to 23% body fat. And I'm currently at 23.7%. So we're very, very, I love how you, you took what I created and made it your own. You made it work for your brain, right? Still going in the same direction, but you made it work for your brain because you know, your brain, you already know your sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts. And that also comes from also having a background as an educator and a coach and a social scientist, you know, whatever, like I would teach, it's not one size fits all. So when I coach individuals one-on-one, so this is what I said, how are you receiving it and how can we tweak it so that it actually works for your brain and body? Yeah. That takes the perfectionism out of the equation, right? So people who are perfectionists are like, so focused on doing it exactly right, they completely miss how they can make it work for them. And uh, listen, I'm a recovered perfectionist right here. So I know it's, okay, let me share some more wins. I'm no longer, I didn't even put this down as something I was gonna share, but I'm gonna share it. I'm no longer afraid of the scale. I weigh myself every day. I don't look at the numbers every day. And I might get into that a little bit later. So that's, that's one thing is to like have that scale freedom. Mm -hmm. My endurance has increased. My strength has definitely increased because I, I, you know, I work out almost, almost every day with heavy dumbbells. That's just, I've always been like a strength-based athlete. Don't give me that, you know, long distance running. That's not for me, but I've still noticed that my endurance has increased naturally. So I had these cysts on my wrists. They're benign, but they would um, come with, you know, doing these, like when you were like saying doing a push up and putting all that pressure on your hands when they're there, the palms are flat on the ground or even doing yoga. I don't do yoga anymore. Cause there's, I, I can't tolerate the, you can't see my hands, but it's like, you know, when you're in that downward dog position or when mm-hmm. you're about to do a push up. So I get around that by going on my knuckles. So they had these things called a ganglion cyst, right? And they would flare up every so often. I have not had a flare up in many months. And when looking at that too, it's like, oh, you know, the inflammation in the joints. And like, there's just been so many, so many, like 
it's like 60 pounds of pressure at least that have been released from my joints. Ah, That's so good. You know, and I'm then noticing, I was like, oh my gosh. And I'm actually able to put pressure on my wrists for like down. I'm not, listen, I'm not all up in the yogas anymore. That was a phase of my life that my body prefers Qigong and prefers, you know, doing the other things that I do, but I can put bare weight on having my palms on the ground and not having to go knuckles all the time. I love that my morning congestions have cleared. And this year, 2023 was my summer of midriff hugging and midriff exposing tops. I know that's right. Cause you posted a picture in the Facebook group and I was I like, sure go ahead girl. <laughs> and, and here's another thing. Cause growing up as a kid, I hated summer because, you know, I used to wear, I used to wear pantyhose underneath my shorts when oh. it was in fifth grade, fourth grade through sixth grade was like the beginnings of very, very, very tough, negative self-talk, lots of self-doubt. You know, I hate the summer because what does the summer mean? The clothes come off and I wanted to be covered up. And this year there was no accident where, yo, I can't believe it. I actually am kind of missing the summer because I'm so much more comfortable wearing less. That's freedom. That's total freedom. That is freedom. I just love that you are keeping track of these non in the dieters world, we call them non-scale victories, right? You're in an NSV. But I think for so many of us, it's so easy for us to overlook them because we're so focused on the number. But the way that you're explaining your wins, your celebrations really is inspiring because it's not all just about the number, y'all. It's not just about the, the number, just an arbitrary goal that we are working towards the winning, the prize, the celebration is as you're working towards that number. Now, here's another, here's a reason why I'm really vigilant about the non-scale victories, because in this journey over the last however many months, there have been plateau periods where I'd be in the same goddamn 10 pound range for like two, like a month and a half. And I'm like, what the ish? And I'd get on the scale and be so annoyed. And then, you know, through just going through the the program and I would find the modules that would address whatever my challenge was, I would listen to them. And then one of them was like, or it was a worksheet, I don't know, but it was focused on the non-scale victories. And so every time I would get on the scale before I decided that I'm only gonna actually look at the numbers once a week instead of every single day, because the looking at it every single day, and I, I wrote some notes on it, so I'll probably read those at some point. But looking at it every single day, I noticed there was this mental chatter that was happening in the back of my mind throughout the day. And I would notice that, oh, I'd eat a little bit more here, or I would change up you know, my meal plan there. Um, so anyway, that was what contributed before I stopped. Oh my gosh, I'm just, there is so much that I want to share. <laughs> Maybe we do need to have a part two. <laughs> there is so much I can share. So what's the highlight, the right? Highlight. So you are very good. I'm going to say very good student, but you were very thorough in going through the modules. You listened to episodes. You came in the coaching calls, like all the content that is available inside the program. I feel like you played it and listened it. You listened to it. You printed it out. You participated and you took something away from it. What would you say is the I'd say it was like the most important thing, but what was your biggest aha that was like the game changer for you? There is no biggest. I have multiple. Pick one. 
I'm just looking down on my sheet and I'm just going to go with that one. And it was how I started the program because for me, it wasn't about vanity. It was my starting main thought, intentional thought. It was an unintentional thought, but it was really an intentional thought was my life depends on this. My quality of life depends on this. And I, you know, also have a background being so active. I've had multiple knee injuries. I've had surgeries. And the last surgery was last year on my, um, I had a meniscectomy that actually was the thing that had me stop teaching dance classes because I got injured while I was teaching. In addition to, to coaching, I've had parallel careers for many, many years, and now it's just coaching. But for me, it was like, this is about longevity. I want to keep dancing for the rest of my life. I want to keep, and I do seven different dance styles. I do various African diasporic dances, hip hop, salsa, hip hop, you know, Afro house fusion, Afro Brazilian, Afro Cuban, jazz, like, you know, salsa, samba. And I want to keep doing that. And so when I would think about, right, connecting to my future self, like the life I want to lead, like I want to be dancing to my eighties and to not be worried about, oh, is this knee going to give out, <laughs> you know? And so it was really anchoring to that. And that was what propelled me to be all up in that planner every single day. I've, yeah. yeah, I've missed a bunch of, you know, I've missed days here and there, but I know that by looking at the data, this is one of the big highlights was how the data is the friend. And cause in college I was trained as a social scientist and doing mm -hmm. research studies. I know the importance of some data. And so it's like, I get to be my own social science experiment or, or science, you know, like hard science experiment. So that's one of the biggest takeaways is, is using the data for me. And which is also why, like, I don't have such a big charge anymore around the scale. I love that. Okay. Let's talk about the identity statements. So my first identity statement in April was, uh, this was a first sentence was I feel safe in my lean, strong, flexible, and toned body. And one of the first things I had you coach me on in the Facebook group was my fear of feeling safe without the extra padding. I remember. So this was something I was already aware of, but hadn't really worked through until this program. And so that's something I already said that I felt... Uh, I felt unfuckwithable at a bigger size. Like I'd be more intimidating and walking, you know, I'm I'm five three. And yes, I have a, a background as an athlete and I've done martial arts and I know how to carry myself and presence. But subconsciously, there was also like the bigger you are, the less you know, people gonna mess with you. And, and you felt if you lost weight, you would lose that. Yeah. You asked me, where does the feeling of safety come from? And the answer is my thoughts. And so I created a statement that was part of my first 90 day statement. And I still practice today, which is I feel supremely safe in my lean, strong, flexible and toned body. And I've since expanded that to I no longer need extra cushioning on this body. I am safe. Beautiful. And so making that a focal point and like conjuring the feeling of safety in this body, I am safe. I am safe. And looking at that statement every single day and walking in the world and just feeling how I'm carrying myself in this body, not needing the extra. Okay. That's one bullet point. I got a, co a couple more I'll go through. Um, unless I'll pause and see if there's anything you wanted to riff off of. Mm -hmm. You're just enjoying the show. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh <my. Keep> going. <laughs> okay. 
This is a good one. During one of those periods where I felt like I was in a certain 10 pound plateau, I'm never going to break. I ain't never going to break this bracket for weeks and weeks and weeks. I discovered a powerful thought that you were coaching someone else on in a previous call. And this was the thought, losing weight and keeping it off is easy. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Am I allowed to think that? Wait a minute, what? So then I say it again, say it again. So the people in the back can hear losing weight and keeping it off is easy. So now here's how I worked with that. So then I started making my mind find evidence for how that was already true because you were coaching the woman in on that call. Well, find the evidence. How is it already true? And I also would find evidence that would make losing weight easy, even if I didn't 100% think it was true at the time. And the answers started to come. Because if you give your brain a question, it will fucking answer it. And so the answer my brain was coming up with was, well, losing weight is easy when I listen to my satisfaction scale and follow it. There you go. Losing weight is easy when I decide during my fertile window, my ovulation period, that I could still lose weight that week. Because when I was tracking my data and I was tracking, oh, it seems that the last few, you know, fertile windows in my ovulation week, the weight was staying the same. Hmm. And I see that the statistics are saying that this is what tends to happen, but I highly respect and implement the teachings of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who -hmm. wrote the book, The Biology of Belief, and really like this like deep mind body on a cellular level connection, right? And like you can actually direct your cells and your bodies to do anywho. So then your brain controls all of this. Everything. so, So I was looking at this data. I was, you know, something body. Let's have an experiment this next week. Ovulation week is coming. I'm deciding that we can still lose weight. And I lost almost two pounds that week. Um, I remember you posted that in the group and I was like, I love this example. Love it. Let me finish. Uh, So the answer my brain was, I already said that. uh, that. While you're you're looking for your next point, I just want to say so many of us don't give ourselves permission to believe anything else. That's right. And so we're just, those stories and those beliefs and all of the research and all the things that we heard back in the day, all that messaging is like ingrained in our brains about we're supposed to gain weight when you turn a certain age. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to gain and have ridiculous cravings at this time of the month. This is supposed to happen. I just love what you did. Like you just challenged that belief. I'm like, well, let's just see if I believe something else will something else happen. And that's another reason why I was drawn to you because you would talk about, oh, there's a common practice or some science that says these trends and you would be like, well, let's investigate that. And actually trends do not mean truth. Trends do not mean truth. And that it's different for everyone. Yeah. Okay. I found out um, where I'm going to pick off. Losing weight is easy when I'm not looking at the goddamn daily weight fluctuations. So I literally don't look at them. I got that idea from you because it was also during that call when you were like, y'all, you need to stop looking at the daily weight fluctuations. And I heard you say that so many times, but that particular call, something dawned on me. I was like, I can take this literally. I can literally take that. So I get on my scale. It's a Bluetooth. So I don't have to look at the numbers. It's recorded. And so on Sundays, when I'm evaluating the week, I have found that it's just a more seamless process. And it's just a, I don't want, it's not like dirty clean, but 
it was simpler and cleaner for me when I was going back and like, okay, so I noticed that there was a fluctuation from that day to that day. And I'm able to look at it with greater neutrality, actually. Mm -hmm. So here's another reason. I weigh myself daily, but I already said that. I'm going to add on one thing to the scale. When I was separating my emotions from the scale, I would put a post-it note on top of it. And I forgot, I would put like some love message on top of the number. So I still got on the scale every day, but I did the same thing that you did. And was like, well, my phone is still tracking the weight. I don't have to deal with the drama about the number. And I can repeat this lovely affirmation. I put the post-it note on my scale and keep it moving and go on with my day. And that reminds me of what I was doing before I decided to wait till Sunday to actually look at the numbers. I said before about the non-scale, you were talking, we were talking about the non-scale victories before, right? And when I would get on the scale, I would just keep playing a non-scale victory I had over and over and over in my mind so that that could crowd out whatever other, you know, thoughts I may have about the number. And so for me, like I am really good about looking at those non-scale victories because, you know, it also supported me through those plateaus to actually focus on that instead of the numbers. I guess just got a little bit more to read. I took this whole losing weight and keeping it off as easy a step further. In my belief journal, in the belief journal portion of the daily planner, I started asking at the top of the page, and I've been doing this for almost two weeks straight now, maybe a little bit more. Why is it so easy for me to lose the rest of this weight and keep it off? Why is it so easy for me to live at my permanent residence of 21 to 23% body fat? And so when I start my journaling that way, because the way that I started it was like, I would look at my, or try and recite from memory, the things that I wrote in my identity statements. But then I was like, hmm, let's actually turn this more of an, into a narrative, a question, answer, a dialogue. So by posing, why is it so easy at the top of the thing, then my mind without having to reference my notes or my identity statement would be like, it's so easy because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this. And when you do this and then this, and when you think this and then this. So that has really up leveled my daily. It's a power question, right? It is a power question because when you ask yourself, you ask your brain really good questions, you're going to get a really good answer. Your brain is like Google. It's always going to give you an answer. So learning how to ask yourself powerful questions will yield you powerful answers. So I love that you started doing that every single day. Thank you. I think I got one more here that I want to share. Yeah, I'll share this one because this can be, no, a couple more. These are pretty short. I don't have the fear looming over my head, but am I going to be able to keep this up? Am I going to be able to not gain the weight back? Because that was also a fear that I have had in the past. I don't want to tell people what's happening because what if it comes back? in six months and the people are be like "Mm, mm, mm." I think I coach everyone who gets to like the last 10 pounds I coach everyone on that same fear I'm afraid I'm going to gain it back I'm afraid to even lose a final 10 because I'm afraid I'm going to gain it back so how did you get past that it's different from okay it's different this time from any other time because a thought that I continually practice is I already have the mindset of me at you know, 22% body fat. And that's actually something I tell myself on a repeated basis. It's a very simple thought, but me saying, oh, I'm already there. I already have the mindset of me there. So then what's happening subconsciously, my brain is like, well, how is it true that we already have the mindset of me 
already. So I'm already connected yeah, to there. Yeah, You start making those decisions to actually be there, right? Yes. You're subconsciously making those decisions to actually be, oh yeah, I don't really, I'm not hungry anymore. Like, oh no, I, I'm not going to mm-hmm. eat the don't like things like, and things like, you know, I don't automatically put a dessert out with my meals because it dawned on me a couple months back. I was like, why am I automatically thinking that I'm going to have room for this dessert? Let me just put it away and get through my entree and then check in with myself. And they've been many days where I'm like, we're good. We're done. We are satisfied. That still happens to me, right? My old brain is like, of course, I talked about this on the podcast recently. I was like, of course I want two pieces of pizza. I always have two pieces of pizza. I love pizza. And like halfway through the first one, these are big New York style slices of pizza. I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yes, that's freedom. It's freedom. It's freedom. And you know, one of the things I call myself is an internal liberation life and mindset coach. And that encompasses so much. And so this journey has been also in unlocking another layer of my own internal liberation. And so it's like, I get to be more of more living in my own breakthroughs, right? Okay. I got two more. There's two more. Okay. (laughs) Here's another point. Exercise is not the determining factor of weight loss. And this is from someone who is an athlete, y'all. Listen, the way that I was able to do it when I was 11, 15, 16 years old, just over-exercise, because I have that background too. I couldn't upchuck to get rid of stuff, but Mm -hmm. I would be in the gym for two or three hours, you know? And I've had the visceral experience starting with the thought that actually it's not the determining factor. And I used to think, how is that true? Because I've had the visceral experience with tracking the data and there have been weeks where I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I exercise almost every day. Why is that? (laughs) Right? (laughs) And then also on the flip side, like a couple of weeks ago, I had a cold, I was premenstrual and I had a hemorrhoid. And there was inflammation. There was all kinds of stuff. This girl was not working out that week. And I still was able to release 1.5 pounds mm-hmm. because I practiced the mindset of, um, of me already at the, the weight and accordingly took action. And some of those you know tangible actions looked like shortening my feeding window, extending my fasting window and not really making a big deal about it because actually that was something I heard you say in a recent thing to someone about, you know, shortening the feeding window and extending the fasting window. I pick up stuff on different podcast episodes. And then finally, this was another big one. I already shared with you my first sentence in my uh, first identity statement in April. Then 90 days later, my second big ass planner, my first sentence in the second identity statement was this. I have extraordinarily high tolerance for feeling sexy, desired, delicious, and slender a vast majority of the time. Because here is another another thing that I realized that I already, I was already aware of this many years ago, but the things that I was aware of that actually able to work through, through coaching, but I wasn't able to really work through it and other things that I've done because the content, it just wasn't, I wasn't available for it then. I wasn't ready for it then. And one thing I noticed was every time that I would get close to, a goal or near it, I would like 
something was happening. Like I didn't have a high tolerance for feeling that good. And y'all, the name of my business is feel good, kick ass. Okay. Totally. You hit that upper limit. That was my upper limit. And then I'm consciously have been working on expanding that upper limit and how it has manifested is that for each like milestone that I would achieve, it didn't feel like, oh my God, I'm finally here. It felt like, yeah, this is how, this is how it is. Yeah. That's when, you know, it's integrated into your nervous system Yeah, because you've already been thinking about it. You've already been believing it. You've already been seeing it versus when people start to lose weight and they get close to their goal and their nervous system freaks out. Yeah. Because they're like, what does this mean? I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to be able to keep it off. And all the panic and the worry sets in. And what do you do? You end up going back to eat because you're putting your protection back on, your mm-hmm. safety, you're putting the weight back on. Yeah. And so this is the beauty of creating this 2.0 brain identity statement at the beginning and working towards it in 90 day increments, because every single day you're working on molding your nervous system into becoming that person. For all my coaches out there, you're, you guys get this. <laughs> you guys get the whole nervous system work, the mindset, you guys get it. For everyone else, you're like, what are they talking about, y'all? This is when you have to trust the process. Yes. This is why this process is different. And this is why it works period and like you jennifer i have done lots of the diets the lemonade the green juices the slim slim fasts the atticans the uh you know them the la weight loss (laughs) all of them was it special because you were in la did you get like special la weight loss stuff i don't even remember that was that was many many years ago I had some success, but it was not long lasting for all the reasons that we talked about today. Yeah. Our identities were people of one who just, we struggle with our weight. That's That's always going to be in a struggle. I've gone through all of my notes and bullet points, which I'm, I'm actually really kind of surprised and also really happy that I was able to, but you know, I'll just close with what you just said is having that identity of, that was another big shift for me in the beginning was like, oh, I have this identity of someone who's kind of always going to struggle with this. And going back to my 12-step journey, a big highlight for me during my one of my first meetings, when I was hearing people talking about they never, you know, they've been abstinent or from whatever food behavior for years and years, I was like, wait a minute, it's possible to actually not partake in this behavior? But like I said, you know, that identity it worked until it didn't. And then now it's like having the identity of, oh, I just don't struggle. I just don't struggle with the weight. Mm-hmm. And like living into that and allowing the possibility of that to like permeate through my system is like, it's possible to actually not even struggle. It's possible to not even have me identify as the thing that at one point it was a relief to be like, oh my God, I have this problem. I have this eating disorder and this compulsive this and this, comp- oh, that's relief. But then you reach a certain point where it's like, what helped me get here? Not going to help me get to the next place. And you have created a very beautiful program that has helped me get to the next place and to keep propelling. And so thank you for creating this program, Jennifer. You're very welcome. My life's work, <laughs> my passion. But thank you for sharing your story and your experience inside of this program. I think it's going to help 
so many people beyond the number that you can even imagine. So I'm glad you got the coaching that you needed to come onto the podcast to share your truth, your life, your story, your experience to food freedom. Okay. So let me just recap. You joined in April Mm -hmm. and you had about 30 pounds to lose. That was about five months ago. Five. Yeah. About five months ago. I'm aiming towards like 21 to 23%. I want to see how I feel, but yeah, it's been about almost 30 pounds. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And Valerie is working on her body fat percentage because as an athlete, that's what athletes do. They work on their body fat percentage, but I am super proud of you. Every time I read your post, I was like, yeah, another one, another one, another one. And I love that you posted because you inspired others in the group to keep going. We all get to inspire each other. Yeah, we do. Valerie, where can people find you and your work and your book? Yes. So there's a one-stop shop for all of that. My website, feelgoodkickass.com. My social medias are on there. All the things, private coaching, the the workshops I do, all of that is on there. Feelgoodkickass.com. I love it. I love being able to help other coaches because when I pour into you and your transformation and elevate yourself, you're pouring into other people. It's just a wonderful circle. Thank you, Jennifer. All right. You're welcome. All right, y'all live luck and I'll see you in the next episode. If you like today's episode of the Stop Dieting Forever podcast and you want to learn more about creating a lifestyle instead of following a diet to lose weight permanently, be sure to visit jenniferdent.com. There you'll learn more about my unique weight loss process and how it can work for you. Go to jenniferdent.com to discover what you can do to stop dieting forever.